In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. No Jesse Temple. He'll be back with us tomorrow to break down Tuesday's practice as well as tomorrow morning's practice. And I'm sure we're going to touch on some recruiting as well. I know he did his mailbag today, and his lead question was about the Donovan Harbor and Corey Smith situation. If you haven't had a chance to read that, go and read it. Uh, We'll for sure talk about it tomorrow when he joins me. Uh, Wisconsin getting towards the end here of spring ball. Just four practices left. That includes Saturday's the launch. Uh, They announced today that they've sold about 20,000 tickets so far. There's going to be 11-on-11 scrimmage situations uh, throughout practice it is again it is practice it's not a game but there will be uh, scrimmage situations during that Um, it's free to get in you do need to buy it you do need to reserve a ticket so there's that they also have their kids fair beforehand I believe it's running from 11 to 1 inside the McLean Center Bucky's locker room is having their sidewalk sale so plenty of stuff to do along with practice uh, and being able to chance to see this team for the first time so if you haven't already Make sure to check it out. Would love to see everybody out there. I I know the weather may not be exactly what everyone was hoping for, but the opportunity to see these guys for the first time is, uh, I think, very intriguing for people, and I, I would uh, certainly encourage you to do so. Um, however, if you can't be there, BTN Plus will be carrying it live, and then BTN will re-air it at uh, 3 p.m., tape delayed, obviously. And one of the guys that's going to be on the call is former Michigan tight end, Jake Butt. Uh, He obviously played for Michigan, then went on to the NFL, and now has uh, transitioned into an analyst for BTN. BTN. I think last year was his first year. Uh, He did the Michigan spring game already this year, and he'll be in Madison on Saturday. Going to be his first time. Was able to chat with him to get a uh, better perspective on some of what the Big Ten thinks about Wisconsin and this hire, and you know some of the things that he's looking forward to seeing on Saturday and a lot more. Um, So here he is, Jake Butt. Yes, uh, welcome back into the camp. Now joined by former Michigan and former NFL tight end Jake Butt. Jake, thank you very much. Uh, you're going to be on the call, the Wisconsin, what they're calling a spring game, but what's going to be essentially uh, another just open practice for the Badgers. But fans going to be there. I know everyone's excited. BTN's going to be there. Are you uh, excited to get to Madison and see this this new crew? Oh, I can't wait. I mean, first off, I've I've never been to Madison. And, you know, when people talk about college towns, it's Ann Arbor and Madison. Those are the first two that come to mind. So I'm excited to get out there. I'm going to be golfing with a former Wisconsin great tight end, Troy Fumagalli. It's my guy. We played together in Denver. And then, of course, you know, yeah, the glorified spring practice, not really a traditional spring game. I'm just excited to see Wisconsin. They're one of the more interesting teams across the entire conference. Luke Fickle was a phenomenal hire. Of course, man, what are we going to go see an up-tempo spread Wisconsin offense? It's like hard for my brain to wrap it around, wrap it around that, but super, super excited to see what they got cooking. That's right. I'm thinking about it. Looking back at your career, you guys never played in Madison during your four years in uh, with the, with Michigan. I know you played Wisconsin in 2016 and what was a very good defensive battle uh, at the big house. I think Wisconsin had about 70 yards of offense and uh, Wisconsin's defense was was pretty darn good that year too. It came right down to the wire, but I think that's the only time you guys matched up. Is that right? 
Yeah, yeah, that was. I, I I believe our kicker missed like three field goals that day. He was just on the sideline going through it. I'm like, dude, get it together, man. We need you, you know. And it was it was an ugly game, a classic Big Ten matchup, right? Run the ball and play defense. Yeah, those then, like the mid, like the 2016, 2017. That's kind of what it was went between Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, was not always pretty offensively. The defenses were really, really good. Um, but we uh. Here in Madison, obviously you mentioned it, Luke Fickle, the new hire. Um, I've heard from Wisconsin side of things. We've heard nationally from people what they think of the hire. But, you know, with you having played at Michigan and now working with the Big Ten Network, you kind of have a little bit of a, a Big Ten opinion on Luke Fickle. And you're an Ohio guy. He's an Ohio guy. What did you think when you first heard of the hire? Yeah, I thought it was a great hire. And actually, you know, I know initially a lot of people said, all right, well, it's Jim Leonard, right? He's going to be the new head coach. I played with guys that went with went to Wisconsin that thought that, you know, Leonard is the perfect guy. They all loved him. And then you go out and get Luke Fickle. And, you know, for so long, it felt like there was Wisconsin head coach has to have a Wisconsin tie. And Luke Fickle, like you mentioned, is an Ohio guy. So there was a little bit of uncertainty about this. But I think as you've seen the spring unfold, this is the right hire. And the one thing that we know about college football, just on a macro scale, is it's constantly changing. And if you aren't willing to adapt at some level with that, you're putting yourself at risk. Maybe your old system works. Maybe it doesn't. But there's certain systems that work in modern college football. And Fickle has proven that he's willing to adapt starting with the offense, going out and getting Phil Longo. And it's like, all right, you're you're so used to 22 personnel, two tight ends and a fullback, and you're just hammering the ball 40 times a game. And that's going to work for Wisconsin against six of the teams. Every single year, you're going to win six games by doing that. No one can really hang with them. But if you're chasing a trip to the playoff, you're going to have to adapt. You're going to have to modernize it. And that's what I'm expecting to see with Phil Longo. And then on the flip side of it, What's kept Wisconsin in that conversation as one of the better teams in the West has always been defense. And this is this to me just encapsulates who you're getting as a head coach in Luke Fickle. Well, Wisconsin has a 3-4 defense. That's who they've been under Jim Leonard, and it's been successful consistently top five across the board in all categories. Luke Fickle comes in and says, you know, question is, is hey, Luke, are you going to run your defense or are you going to keep some of these 3-4 schemes? It sounds crazy, but not every coach is willing to be fluid. A lot of coaches will say, well, no, this is what I do. This is what it's going to be. We're going to run it my way. Fickle says, how about we take a what, what was so great about that 3-4 scheme and let's implement some of that. And then let's also implement some of the things that we did at Cincinnati and back when he was even at Ohio State to have success. So it shows fluidity and it shows a coach that's not going to be rigid. He's going to look at his roster and say, what's the best defense we can put together to have the best 11 guys on the field, to have our best chance at having success. And, and I think that's the testament to his leadership and his vision for this team. So across the board, I think this is a slam dunk hire. Transfer portal, what they've done to get depth at key positions, namely quarterback. I think you're looking at a team that's a serious contender to go make it to Indianapolis this year. Does the hire or just anything change your perspective on what Wisconsin is or can be in the future? Because you mentioned it. You could do that certain style and win six games every year. And usually you're going to win eight or nine games every year, but to take it to the next level, I think Wisconsin and Chris McIntosh figured you had to change. Does it change your perspective on what Wisconsin can accomplish? Um, I'm assuming you don't have them or didn't have them as national title contender. Is it, is this change make that a possibility in this conference, which is obviously one of the two biggest in the country? 
Yeah, you know, as as soon as this year, I don't know that I can I I'm not ready to say that they're going to make a run in a national title this year. But as soon as this year, I'd say they're one of the best teams in the West and that they are going anyone that plays them is going to have to beat bring their A game to beat them because I think they're ready to win now. Does it change it? You know, I I I think you have to it's very similar to what we were just talking about. There's certain things that make Wisconsin great. Like you 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 recruit great offensive lineman up there in Wisconsin, right? So that's going to be the foundation. You still have to run the ball, even if you're going to modernize it. I think a good parallel here is I look at, you know, my alma mater, Michigan, and you look at where they are now as back-to-back Big Ten champions and where they were just a couple of years ago, which was struggling. Very similar to Wisconsin, where it's like there's potential, but you're kind of falling short of it. Well, what you do is you take that identity that you've had success with in the past and you modernize it and you adapt it. You know, Michigan, same as Wisconsin, wanted to be in 22 personnel all the time, wanted to run the ball. Well, you can still have a physical running game. You can still emphasize the run, but modernize it to give yourself a great chance. And to put it to put it in perspective for Wisconsin, the way I looked at them, they just were a team that had been banging their head against the ceiling, you know, with, with Coach Christ. Did a great job by a lot of school standards. You could say it was a success. You know, a couple trips to Indy, a couple du- double-digit win seasons, a great bowl record. But at some point, you have to adapt in order to break through that ceiling and get to the college football playoff. And Fickle did that, the first non-Power 5 coach to make it to the playoff. So he has a track record, said, hey, guys, I've been there. And you can just follow in the program, see the belief he's instilled in his players and the rest of his staff that even though there's going to be a lot of similarities to how Wisconsin's done things, there's a newfound hope that Fickle's going to squeeze every last last drop out of this program and implement some new twists and schemes to help them raise their ceiling. This might be putting you on the spot a little bit. Um, there's 14 coaches in this conference. Uh, there's a lot of good ones. Where would you rank Luke Fickle now in, in this uh hierarchy of of coaches in the big 10 is he a top five top three like where would you put him yeah based on, I, based on what he's been able to do yeah you know you kind of are putting me on the spot because i would have <laughs> to tell you i'd have to go through i think you know you look at the tier one coaches and and it, you know it's ryan day and, and jim harbaugh just because they've won those big 10 championships they've been to the playoff but then you got the guys that are right there knocking on the door with the potential to get in ferentz James Franklin, um, and, and and Fickle, I'm I'm ready to say that yeah, he's right there. I expect him to be in that conversation of of right there in that next tier with the potential to, for Wisconsin to start winning Big Ten championships. Maybe not this year, but the potential is there this year. But the projection going forward is this team believes that they can compete consistently to win the Big Ten, not just be a good team in the Big Ten, but compete with Ohio State, compete with Michigan, compete with Penn State, compete with Iowa and some of those teams in the West. So I expect Fickle, you know, this is his first job other than being the interim head coach at Ohio State, first time being a head coach at a power five. So there's a certain element that you have to see it first, but I I see no limitations for what he can do with this team. You know, getting away from what you always have been is a bit of a risk, right? Uh, Nebraska has been chasing its tail since going away and uh, from what it did, you know, going all the way back to Frank Solich and and that whole decision to go away from uh, what made them special, what made them elite. And they've been trying to chase and, and get back to that. 
Do you have any concern about, you know, you talk about adapting. There's also a risk in that. Do you have any concern about that happening at all for Wisconsin? I think there are some people out there that might be a little concerned, but you're this you're this type of program for that long, and then all of a sudden you're going to try and change. There's some risk to it. Do you, do you uh, sense any of that? Zach, that's a great point. There is risk, right? And that that risk, we can identify and say, here's the risk. Here's the fork in the road. The risk is if you don't want to take the risk, you're going to stagnate and stay average. And you're just you're going to stay in this little pocket of sometimes eight, nine, ten wins, sometimes six and seven wins. But in order to break through that, you have to take the risk. So then you have to say, okay, what are some of those principles that would allow you to be successful? Well, what about the staff then? Okay, so you got Luke Fickle. What what about the staff around you? Well, look at the look at the coordinators. Look at the staff he's built. Phil Longo is one of the better offensive coordinators. You know, he's proven that. He learned under one of the greats in Mike Leach. Defensively, Fickle is a defensive mind. So you even though you're not, you know, Jim Leonard's gone, Fickle has coached successful defenses. So the structure on the offensive defensive side of the ball will be there. And then the piece is, is I think understanding where college football is is with the nil and the transfer portal if your head coach comes in there's a tighter window these days you have to take advantage and create depth and competition there has to be alignment with the university and the boosters to get these transfer portal transfer portal guys in and and recruit and look at this spring what we're seeing just just from our conversation zach and just from me studying on this team there is a lot of competition on this roster at positions that there wasn't competition at this level in maybe a decade plus. The skill positions, I went into last season looking at it. I'm like, man, I just I just don't know who are going to be those elite guys on the edge for Wisconsin. There's six or seven guys that could easily contribute this fall. You know, you got a you got a staple of running backs. You have depth at the quarterback position. Defensively, you got cornerbacks stepping up. The edge has always been a talented position. So there's alignment vertically across the board for Wisconsin that they're saying, hey, we're we are going to implement some new changes and some new tweaks, but we have the guys, we have the the support staff, coordinators, and position coaches to help ease in this transition. They're not just saying we're going to do it and not do anything to support that. They're doing it vertically, and, and it's to me, it says they're ready to to you know maximize this thing as soon as this fall. Yeah, we talked when we talked to Chris McIntosh when he first made this hire. It, it was the idea that yeah, he's not a Wisconsin guy, Luke Fickle that is, but he's as close to a Wisconsin guy as you could possibly get without having those that background because he accentuates some of those same traits that Wisconsin holds so dear. And so I think it, it it does make sense. And that's why I don't necessarily worry about it nearly as much as, as if say you're bringing in Rich Rodriguez to, uh, right. to Michigan, right? Like to completely change everything that you're about. I, I don't view that as a similar one. I will say this, uh, Iowa and Wisconsin have been considered similar programs in how they approach things for so long, um, especially on offense. If this change works for Wisconsin, and Iowa's offense struggles like it did last year, and I know new quarterback and all that, would there be a lot of pressure on the Hawkeyes to to go away from what has made them so successful? I know this is kind of an out from the outside uh, question, but I've been kind of wondering in my own head, just like, this is a change for Wisconsin. If it goes really well, Iowa's the only team that you know really hasn't moved this way in the Big Ten. Could it put pressure on the Hawkeyes to do the same, you think? It's a great, great point, Zach. I, you know, when I look at... Iowa, I look at the similar thing we were just talking about with Wisconsin. The way they play football, they're almost guaranteed to get seven and eight wins every single season. Their floor is extremely high. 
but the way they play offense, can you really go out there and and say we're we're a serious contender to get into the college football playoff? Not not with that offense, right? Not when you're going to play the better defenses that can line up and match your physicality. And frankly, their offensive line has been the the root of all their offensive issues. I know other other things get slack. But when Iowa's been good, the offensive line's been good. The offensive line has not been good in recent years. But, you know, the the modern adaptation for the same things, it's a bit uncomfortable. It, it goes against the past two decades in Iowa and how they've operated. It's uncomfortable for Wisconsin, too. But if you go out there and see this success, it's a proven path that Iowa would then have to follow. There, there should be some type of pressure to modernize it because that's what wins. Illinois is another great example here too, because yeah. Brett Bielema, you know, he's a guy that likes to run the ball. He likes to play physical, physical uh, offense behind a, a talented offensive line, but he went out and got Barry Lunny jr. A guy who said, okay, we're still going to give the ball to chase Brown 40 times a game. But we're gonna we're gonna hurry up. We're gonna get into RPOs to supplement the run game. We're gonna have a, a complimentary play action pass package to give ourselves that advantage pre-snap rather than just saying we're gonna be super rigid and say we gotta run into an eight or nine man box with extra linemen and extra tight ends. You can still keep that identity and modernize it. I think two things can be true at once. And you know, to answer your question again, you know. If Wisconsin goes out there and, and they're in Indianapolis this year and it's behind one of the better offenses in the conference, which I would expect they are starting to take that leap as soon as this year, that would put some pressure on Iowa. Yeah, for sure. And it's a lot of pressure on uh, Kirk Ferentz because, you know, he's been there so long and been so good. It just feels like he kind of has until he wants to leave or until he wants to do anything else. Iowa's hands are kind of tied. But it feels like they also is kind of holding him back. The fact that he also has his son as his offensive coordinator is kind of yeah. holding him back as well. But uh, that's a topic for a different day. Uh, most see Wisconsin as the favorite to win the Big Ten West, and you've kind of talked about it. But who do you think uh, potentially could challenge them on this uh, on this side of the the division in what is likely the last year of divisions? Yeah. Yeah, I think right away, Iowa would be that team just because, again, the way they play football, they're always going to be in contention. In contention, Phil Parker's a phenomenal defensive coordinator. You know every single year what you're going to get, and it's so hard to you know stay disciplined over four quarters and not make the mistakes that they force teams to make. I think getting Cade McNamara and Eric all in the transfer portal will, will help them a bunch, and I think that offensive line a year older – a year wiser will improve. So I think Iowa takes a step. You know, Matt Rule in Nebraska is an interesting hire because he has a history of taking programs that were underperforming and getting them back into success. He did it at Temple. He did it at Baylor. We'll see how good they can be this year. But again, in the world of the transfer portal, these turnarounds can be very, very quick. Minnesota is always interesting, but you know, I'm looking at them. They've lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal. There, there, there's just a number of moving pieces, and, and like for them, seventeen or eighteen guys already. It's crazy, and contributors too. You know, guys yeah. that that had experience last year. On top of who they lost, Mo Ibrahim and Tanner Morgan. Um, you know, they've they've always they've been a team I've been high on. They just haven't been able to get over that leap either. So, you know, the West is wide open, but I I would say going into the season, Wisconsin is my favorite to come out of the West. Yeah, there's several good teams in there. You just never know. Like Purdue's obviously under new leadership as well. Um, Northwestern, maybe they can figure something yeah. out. And and Illinois, as you as we kind of broke down, I mean, they have obviously a new quarterback. Feels like they have a new transfer quarterback every single year. I think that's what 
Brett is trying to recreate Russell Wilson here at some point. Yeah. Um, just trying to get hit that transfer portal over and over and over and over again. You mentioned Minnesota, and I so I wanted to talk about your coaches in college. Um, so you played for Brady Hoke. You were recruited to Michigan to play for Brady Hoke, correct? Yep, correct. Okay, so after two years, he gets fired. You bring in Jim Harbaugh. How difficult was that transition for you? Some of the stuff that Wisconsin's going through this year, guys that have been established in the program for an extended period of time, like you were at Michigan when this happened, how difficult is that change um, to make for a player? You know, for some guys, it's different, difficult. For some guys, it's a great opportunity, right? And and here's the thing is when, just to talk about my own experience, you know, my freshman year, we were seven and six. My sophomore year, we were five and seven. It should be difficult. You know, I still, <laughs> Coach Harbaugh, you know, those practices and those meetings, I mean, he, everything was recorded. Everything was documented. Everything was a competition. He'd rip into your ass if you weren't performing. And and some guys don't like that because it's like, hey, man, you know, I'm already here. I, I, I played. Who are you talking to? You can't talk. The truth is, is like, Coach, rip into me, man, because I was part of that team that was five and seven. I was part of that team that was seven and six. You're right. It wasn't good enough. We shouldn't be sitting around the campfire eating wine and cheese. You know, we should be uncomfortable. Um, you know, an, another piece of this is what about the new systems? Should guys, you know, specifically the receivers on the outside, are, are they struggling to learn the playbook? You know, we had a whole new system when Jed Fish became our pass game coordinator under Coach Harbaugh. It wasn't difficult for me. In fact, it was great because I felt I had the potential to be a great tight end, but not under the previous coordinators. Then Jed Fish comes in. Oh, I get to learn a playbook that's going to utilize me. That's great, you know. So uh, it, it's it's individual by individual basis. I would say the greatest thing that that I that I'm starting to get a sense of in Wisconsin is the competition. Got you know C.J. Williams moving up in the depth chart. Will Pauling, a guy. It seems like you're tweeting about him every single day. He's bouncing up in the depth chart. There's competition now. And that means that coaches are giving these guys opportunities in a new system and guys are taking advantage of it. And that competition, it forces everyone to be at their best on a day-to-day -day basis. It is uncomfortable. You know, you'd love to go out there and be like, I'm the proven starter and no one can challenge me. But that competition does keep you fresh and keep you at your best on a day-to-day -day basis too. So it's got its pluses. Yeah, I mean, especially offensively for Wisconsin, I, unless you're a fullback, or you're just a glorified offensive lineman playing tight end, you have to be excited about this new system. I mean, oh, you, met, you mentioned it. It's uh, it's crazy. Um, for you, what kind of coach, if you were to go through the recruiting process again, what kind of coach would you want to play for? Um, and you brought up Minnesota. I know you said you're big on Minnesota. I, I struggle with that type of coach, um, like that rah-rah, not doesn't always feel genuine type of coach. Like, What kind of coach would you want to play for? Well, I, I, for me, just being a tight end, this just applies to any position. I, I want a coach that I know is going to allow me to prove the chance that I can contribute to an offense or a defense. And then a coach that is willing to have a creative scheme. It isn't just going to say, this is what it's going to be. This is how it's always been. I want a coach that I believe is fluid. That's going to give ourselves the best chance to win and, and allow me to be a part of that winning. That's, that's first and foremost. Um, you know, I, I don't mind a coach that chews into me a little bit either. I don't mind that. As long as I know that you're doing it for the right reasons and our goals are aligned, as long as I know that winning is of the utmost priority. So, you know, that's another piece of this. NIL always comes up. I, I just, 
I didn't ever play the game for money. It's a factor, but I think those other things matter more. Um, as far as rah-rah goes versus reserve, I've played for every, you know, in college, I played for two coaches in the NFL. I played for three head coaches, two or two or three head coaches. So I've, I've experienced the full spectrum. I just look at a guy that wins. I just want to play for a winner. And I don't care if that means you're quiet. I don't care if that means you're in my face. As long as you have a track record and as long as I see you developing a staff around you that has proven winners as well, good. I'm on board with it. And then I can sit there and do my job, which is just shut up and listen to the coaching and go out there and implement it on the field. All right. Uh, a few more for you. When you come to Madison on on uh, Saturday, is there a player or two that you're excited to see? in person yeah well I, the main thing for me i'm just this offense i'm gonna have my eyes on the offense and and to go out there and and watch them get in their up tempo um mordecai let's let's go see it because how long have we been talking in wisconsin of well this you know is it graham mertz he's a five-star can he step up and then it's just you know disappointment no. yeah. you know and then another guy that i would say just just from doing the research and, and following you on Twitter is Will Pauling. It seems like his name shows up every single day and understanding this, this up-tempo system and how valuable it is to have a slot guy that can stretch the field vertically, that can win underneath, that can get the easy five-yard completions to supplement the run game. It seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to get four or five targets every single day. So between Mordecai and Pauling, I'm, I'm excited to see those guys dice it up. I think it's it's interesting with the slot receiver in this offense. We saw what Josh Downs did the last two years in North Carolina, and it's kind of feeling like Will Pauling has that that chance. What is it about a slot guy that can it makes this type of offense different? Yeah, well, when you think of an RPO system, which is what almost every single offense, even in the NFL, is starting to adopt it, RPO is a run-pass option. And what you're reading effectively is, is you're taking that linebacker, that will linebacker or that nickel, and they split the difference between the, the off tackle and the slot, and the slot is Will Pauling Jr. If that, if that element of the defense decides to play the run, they, they say, hey, Braylon Allen's a beast. I got to go play the run. Then Mordecai is going to pull it right away, and he's then reading Will Pauling Jr. and you're one on one, and now you are the the running back effectively because the ball is coming to you. Can you win? Can you catch the ball, even tough catches? And then can you make something happen after the catch? So there's going to be opportunities just off that alone where you know he's going to get a number of targets, and all of a sudden, you know the beauty thing, beautiful thing about an RPO is a five yard hitch route can turn into a seventy yard touchdown. And it seems like there's been highlights like that up in up in Madison consistently. Um, a, another piece of this, and, and it'll be interesting to see, is you know slot receivers from a bubble standpoint, from a reverse standpoint, what you can do creatively with pre snap motions to stretch the defense. Um, you know, having a guy that can get that respect from opposing defenses where they have to commit one or two guys to know where he's at and what he's doing just opens up other things for other guys as well. So it's as much when the ball is in your hands as it is when the ball isn't in your hands. On the defensive side, are you looking for anything in particular? Yeah, so you you mentioned the safety group is extremely deep. And if you're going to go to the you know 3-4 defense, the safeties aren't as, as big of a, a piece of it. But if you're going to go into this dollar where you're going to have extra elements across the field, it's great. It's a great luxury to have three, four, five guys that can play across the field. So that's going to be a big piece of it. Um, 
cornerback is another position because I think one benefit of having a pass, a, a bigger passing attack on offense this year is we've been able to see guys on the edge step up on the defensive side of the ball as well. So you got a couple veterans that are making plays, and then it's two early enrollees with the second group that have been stepping up. So you got a good mixture um, in that secondary, and it, it complements the fact that offensively, I want to see this passing game. Defensively, though, as it is with any spring game, you don't want to see one side dominate the other. Defensively, I want to see those guys in the back end match the intensity of the receivers. And, uh, you know, th that'll be a good competitive day where one guy has some success a couple plays, defense then answers, you know, and that's what you really want to see in a spring game. It is. And that's the, that was kind of the conversation we've been having down here is whether what should Saturday be? Are you, are you hoping for a big offensive day to kind of like build the excitement even more? You know, if you're if you're a fan, you want to see this offense because you've been watching an offense that hasn't moved the ball necessarily very well the last few years through the air. Or do you want, you know, it to be kind of what you just said, a little mix of both. The offense makes some plays, defense makes some plays. I think if if you're uh, Wisconsin and the excitement around the program, you probably want the offense to have a big day. You don't want it to be a defensive day, which we saw on uh, on Tuesday. It was more of a defensive day and a lot of drops. It was very, very sloppy. I think you want if uh, if you're Wisconsin trying to build more excitement, you want offense. If you're a football coach, you want it to be tight both ways. Yeah, 100 percent. And really tight both ways, but you don't want it to be boring either. You well, want right, to see yes. a guy make a you want to see a guy make a play down the field and, and celebrate. And then you're thinking as an offense, let's go back to him this play. And then someone steps up and, and bats it away. You want to see a running back break open through a hole and, and cut down the sideline for 30 yards. And then you want to see a linebacker fill the hole and stuff them at the line of scrimmage. Anytime it's too dominant, as good as that is for one side, it's a net negative for the other side. That being said, it's a spring game and spring ball. You take it always with a grain of salt. You know, no one's crowning a, a, a Big Ten champion or a national champion in spring ball. So you got to always look at the full picture in the context of a spring game. So you mentioned uh, you're going to get together with Troy Fumagalli. Are you guys going to hit the town Friday night? Or are you hitting the town Saturday night? Like what's going on? Yeah, so we so he there's an Italian spot in town. I, do you know the name of it? It's it's supposed to be a popular Italian spot. He knows Madison, so I'm kind of going yeah. calling his league. Do you, what, what were some? Well, I mean, there's I, I mean there are there I mean are, there are plenty of popular uh, Italian places. I don't off the top of my head, I probably couldn't tell you which one he's talking about. But is it okay. like more of a, is like steak or is it like Italian? It's Italian. Like this guy okay. apparently doesn't even speak English. Like it's, you know, <laughs> oh, okay. it's, it's right. yeah. So, so we're going to go, we're going to hit a golf course Friday afternoon. I'm meeting with the coaching staff Friday morning, go check into the hotel. We'll go golfing in the afternoon. Hopefully the weather holds up and then we'll get some, you know, good Italian food Friday night, wake up, call the spring game. And then we're cruising back down to Chicago. He's like my neighbor out here. We live a couple Is minutes it? from each other. So um, just get in, get out, a little business trip, and and watch some football, and it'll be it'll be great. First time in Madison, I'm excited. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, the weather does cooperate. It's not looking great for Saturday, but uh, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. Uh, Jake, so uh, thanks so much for your time, and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, please enjoy Madison on behalf thanks. of all of us. Please enjoy Madison. Appreciate it, Zach. Thanks. All right, there he was, Jake Butt, former Michigan tight end, former NFL tight end, going to be on the call on Saturday uh, for the spring game. And so make sure to check that out if you're unable to make it down 
to Camp Randall. All right, that is going to do it for today. As I mentioned earlier in the earlier, we'll be back tomorrow. Break down Thursday's practice. Look back at Tuesday's practice as well with Jesse and hit on some of the recruiting topics that uh, have been blowing up social media and the message boards here these last uh, this last day or so. Until then, you've been listening to the camp.